1: Thank you so much for downloading this episode of Positively Trek. We truly do appreciate each and every one of our listeners. And I'd like to especially thank our Patreon supporters. Thank you to our Constitution Class supporters, Jim Stoffel, Joyce Maron, and Paul D. Kinnear. If you'd like to become a supporter of Positively Trek and join our crew, please go to patreon.com slash positivelytrek. You can get early access to episodes, exclusive content, shoutouts, associate producer credits, ad-free episodes. Episodes and more. Again, that's patreon.com/slash positively trek. Thank you all and live long and prosper. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Positively Trek. I'm Dan Gunther, flying solo this week with a news update episode, a little shorter than our usual episodes, but don't worry, Barry will be joining me again next week. To talk Trek. So I initially went into this episode thinking there wasn't a lot of news to talk about. A few things that I want to bring up. We have some new novels coming soon that I'd love to talk about and some comments from Mike McMahon at New York Comic Con about the future of Star Trek. However, something just happened in the last couple days that I really wanted to comment on and I'm really excited about this. So it turns out That a piece of Star Trek history, real legitimate Star Trek history, has been unearthed after many, many years. This is really exciting news. The original three-foot model of the USS Enterprise 1701 from the original series has been found. You may have seen people talking about this online. If you're in the know and you know what this is all about, this is very exciting news. However, if you're not sure what all the hubbub is about, here's a quick little history of this model. Now, in the early stages of production of the original Star Trek, there was a three-foot model of the USS Enterprise made out of solid wood built by a model maker named Richard C. Dayton. Now, he doesn't get a lot of credit, generally speaking, when it comes to Star Trek models. He was working as a subcontractor for this job. However, he was very instrumental in creating this model. You may have seen this model in a number of shots. It does show up a couple times in the original series. You might remember when the immortal being Flint shrinks the Enterprise down and Captain Kirk looks at it, sitting on a table, and peers in through the view screen. That was that three-foot model. It also appeared in a number of publicity shots with William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy holding it while in uniform. After the run of Star Trek The Original Series, this three-foot model was presented as a gift to Gene Roddenberry, and there are several photos of it sitting on his desk, with a distinctive microphone stand being used as the stand holding the model up. Now, at some point, this model went missing in the intervening decades, and for years, the whereabouts of the model were unknown. According to some reports, it was given out on loan by Gene Roddenberry and never returned. But now, all these years later, in 2023, this model has surfaced again. This is an incredible story. This just showed up a couple of days ago on an eBay listing of all places. Now, I first came upon this story in a Facebook group called Starship Modeler, and somebody posted a link to the eBay auction. A contributor to that page, Don Gaffney, posted it with the caption, Guys, tell me this isn't what I think it is. And linked was, like I said, the eBay auction. You click through and look through the photos, and it is unmistakably the original three foot model on the little microphone stand with the little plaque with a paper showing the name of the model maker underneath it's showing its age. Obviously it's not in great condition, but to my eye, it very definitely is the model. Now, since then that has been confirmed by noted Trek expert, Gary Kerr. He has verified that this is the actual first model built in 1964 by Richard Datton and his team uh, used in The Cage and in that episode Requiem for Methuselah and those publicity photos. This is incredible. This is one of those kind of holy grail things that lives as a legend in the Star Trek fandom. And now it is... In someone's possession. Now that eBay listing did go up for a little while. And then presumably somebody got in contact with the seller and let him know exactly what it was he had here. And the eBay posting was taken down. So presumably someone has gotten in contact with him. I'm assuming the end goal is to get this kind of back in the hands of Rod Roddenberry, Gene Roddenberry's son getting it back into the Roddenberry family as it is rightfully theirs. Now, according to the person who had it up for auction, he said that he bought it along with kind of the contents of a storage unit in Hollywood full of a bunch of Hollywood memorabilia and stuff, and had no idea that this was what he actually had. But this is absolutely incredible. What a find. I'll include a link to the Facebook post. You can check out some pictures of this. Like I said, it's in pretty rough shape. It's definitely showing its age, but what an incredible piece of Star Trek history that is now back, at least in someone's hands and hopefully on its way back to its rightful owner. Incredible. I love this story. What a, what a crazy way for this to just show up one day. So that definitely became the biggest bit of Star Trek news this week, but uh, definitely something I wanted to share with all of you because this was so much fun. As a Star Trek model enthusiast and someone who loves Star Trek history, uh, this is really, really cool. I really hope that more develops from this and we find out where it will actually end up. Another bit of Star Trek news I wanted to talk about this week is the announcement of two new Star Trek novels coming in 2024. This is exciting because, of course, the Star Trek novel releases have been quite thin lately. 2023, I think, marked an all-time low for releases of Star Trek novels. But 2024 does at least have a couple of new ones on the table, along with the previously announced Star Trek Picard Firewall, all about Seven of Nine. So for that one, the official synopsis is as follows. Two years after the USS Voyager's return from the Alpha Quadrant, Seven of Nine finds herself rejected for a position in Starfleet, and instead finds a home with the interstellar rogue law enforcement corps known as the Fenris Rangers. The Rangers seem like an ideal fit for Seven, but to embrace this new destiny, she must leave behind all she's ever known and risk losing the most important thing in her life her friendship with Admiral Catherine Janeway. So that one is arriving on February 27th, 2024, so we're already into November, it's going to be here in no time, but of the two new ones that have been announced, the first is a Star Trek The Next Generation novel written by Dayton Ward and titled Pliable Truths, and this one is set for release on May 21st of 2024. So it's being published under the Star Trek The Next Generation banner, but Pocket Books describes it as, quote, a thrilling new Star Trek The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine adventure. And I'm really excited about this one because of both who it features and when it is set. So here is the official synopsis. 2369, shortly after Starfleet thwarts a Cardassian attack on a Federation star system, the Cardassian government orders an end to its 50-year occupation of the planet Bajor. As a result, a newly installed Bajoran government requests immediate assistance from the Federation to mediate how the withdrawal will proceed and what recompense, if any, Bajorans are owed from their brutal oppressors. Captain Jean-Luc Picard is ordered by Starfleet Command to oversee the tense negotiations on Terok Nor, the massive Cardassian space station still orbiting Bajor, even as he deals with his own recent trauma as a prisoner held and tortured by a Cardassian interrogator. As these critical peace talks get underway, Ensign Roe Laren receives a call for help from a friend thought long dead, exposing an insidious secret from inside Cardassian space. Now, Picard and the crew of the Starship Enterprise must act to prevent an interstellar incident from reigniting deadly hostilities between the Federation and the Cardassians, and shattering any hope of justice for the Bajoran people. So like I said, I'm very excited about this one. It takes place right in between the TNG two-parter chain of command and the Deep Space Nine pilot episode Emissary, kind of detailing that end of the occupation and the turnover to what would become Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And of course it has Ro Laren in it, one of my all-time favorite Star Trek characters written by Dayton Ward, one of my all-time favorite Star Trek authors. So very, very excited about that one. Cannot wait to read it. Now, the next one is a Star Trek, the original series movie era novel written by Greg Cox titled Lost to Eternity. And this one I'm also really interested in because it involves another character that I have a lot of questions about that we saw in one film long ago and then never really heard about again. And it sounds just really, really cool. So, here is the official synopsis of Lost to Eternity Three eras. Three Mysteries. One Ancient Enemy. 2024. Almost 40 years ago, marine biologist Jillian Taylor stormed away from her dream job at Sausalito's Cetacean Institute and was never seen or heard from again. Now, a true crime podcast has reopened that cold case, but investigator Melinda Silver has no idea that her search for the truth about Jillian's disappearance will ultimately stretch across time and space and attract the attention of a ruthless obsessive with his own secret agenda. 2268. The USS Enterprise's five-year mission is interrupted when Captain James T. Kirk and his crew set out to recover an abducted Federation scientist whose classified secrets are being sought by the Klingons as well. The trail leads to a barbaric world off-limits to both Starfleet and the Klingon Empire, and an ageless mastermind on a quest for eternity. 2292. The Asori, an ancient alien species, has finally agreed to establish relations with its much younger neighbors, the Federation, the Klingons, and the Romulans. A joint mission involving ships from all three powers, including the Enterprise A, turns explosive when one of the Asori envoys is apparently killed. Each side blames the others, but the truth lies buried deep, nearly 300 years in the past. So this one is set to be released on July 23rd of next year, 2024, as I said, written by Greg Cox. I love that it's picking up the Jillian Taylor story and the idea of throwing in a 21st century true crime podcast angle on it has me really interested because obviously I love podcasts. I like some true crime podcasts and I'm a fan of, you know, shows like only murders in the building, that kind of thing. So I'd be really curious... To actually hear this podcast, like if it were somehow released as a companion piece to this novel, I know that'll never happen, but that would be so much fun to hear like in a true crime podcast style, the mystery of the disappearance of Dr. Jillian Taylor. I just think that idea is so cool and I'm actually really jealous that Greg Cox thought of it, (laughs) but I'm very excited to see what he does with it for sure. So uh, yeah, I will definitely be picking that one up when it comes out as well. And finally, I want to talk a little bit about some of the comments made by Alex Kurtzman at the recent New York Comic Con regarding future Star Trek projects. Now, of course, we still have the actors strike going on, so there's not a lot of publicity going on from that end. So this event was a little bit more sort of understated than we might have gotten in the past when things are in full swing. But Kurtzman did talk a little bit about some of the stuff that is coming. So first of all, he talks a little bit about section 31, the kind of made for TV movie centering around Michelle Yeoh's character of former Emperor Georgeo. Interestingly, he talked about her using her clout as a newly minted Academy Award winner to keep this particular Star Trek project on track, which is pretty cool because it shows that Michelle Yeoh is committed to this and invested. And even though she's a big get now, right? The fact that she's still interested and wanting to do this is a really good sign. So uh, the quote here is, So we are back on our feet after the strike with Section 31. It is happening. Michelle Yeoh is just the most extraordinary person on every level. She had one of the most unbelievable years that anybody could ever have in the history of ever, and she had a million opportunities to hit the jackpot on it and do other things. And what she did with all of the power she had accrued is make sure that Section 31 was moving forward. So basically, we're just waiting for the actors' strike to be resolved, for the studios to be reasonable and to accede to some of the demands. That would be great. And uh, we can get these things back on track. Kurtzman also talked a bit about the Academy show. This was announced, of course, earlier this year, the young adult-focused series Star Trek Starfleet Academy. Now, the writers are apparently back at work on the project after the end of the WGA strike. But, of course, shooting and and filming cannot happen until the actor's strike is over. So, this is what Kurtzman had to say about Starfleet Academy. So, we are back in the writers' room. We are officially going to start shooting next year. Noga Landau, the amazing Noga Landau, and I are running it. For all the Nancy Drew fans out there, she's incredible. First of all, it's the greatest writing staff. We had so much joy just getting each other through the strike, staying connected and driven, and coming back into the room and working was so wonderful. We just came back this week as a matter of fact. And one of our writers is in fact Tawny Newsome, which is really exciting. She's a genius. So of course, Tawny Newsome plays Beckett Mariner in Star Trek Lower Decks and is an amazing comedic writer in her own right. I'm really excited for the energy that she will bring bring to the show. We knew of course, back when the series was first announced that she was going to be one of the writers in the writer's room on that. And her involvement really fills me with hope for this series because I love her style. I love the passion and energy she brings to stuff. So, you know, if they're kind of going for that kind of vibe that she would bring to that project, I'm really excited for this. So Kurtzman went on to talk about Starfleet Academy and said the following What I'm so excited about the Starfleet Academy is that it's really important that the show really has its own distinct identity. Otherwise, what's the difference between one or the other? And I think fans were waiting over 60 years to go inside the chocolate factory and see what it's like in there. And when you're in Starfleet Academy, you're not yet on ship proper. And so you get to make mistakes and you get to learn who you are and figure all that out. I think that this idea that the generation is inheriting, I look at my son and we look at kids now, they're inheriting all these massive, massive challenges. Then the question becomes, how do you hold on and rebuild all the hope? And I think that's what our show is so much about. It's really fun. It's really funny. And it's ultimately a show that speaks to the generation now. And that's this question of how are our better angels going to emerge? And what are they going to do to get us there? Because it is going to be on the next generation to do that. So originally, the production was set to start in early 2024. Clearly, they're trying to stick to that schedule. But of course, that all will depend on the outcome of the SAG after Strike. And of course, the other show that should be in production is Star Trek Strange New World season three. Now, apparently the writing was all done and they were ready to start filming just as the strike happened, just as the writer's strike happened, I should say. And then the subsequent actor's strike has again, put a crimp in their efforts to get back to filming that. So that's going to keep getting pushed until the actor's strike is over, but it sounds like they are ready to go once that happens. The other show we're waiting for, of course, is the final season of Star Trek Discovery that is still coming in 2024, and Kurtzman had this to say, We have finished it. It will be airing early next year. It's an incredibly satisfying ending to a show that is so near and dear to my heart. Sonequa Martin-Green gave the performance of her life. I think you guys are going to love it. We, of course, will be talking about the final season of Discovery as it airs next year in 2024 but in the meantime today on the day that this episode is released we have the final episode of star trek lower decks season four the episode is titled old friends new planets and barry DeFord and i will be back next week to discuss that episode as well as the fourth season of lower decks as a whole we really hope you'll join us then Thank you so much for listening this week. Please reach out to us if you have any comments, positivelytrek at gmail.com. Join us at the Positively Trek discussion group on Facebook. And if you'd like to help out the show, patreon.com slash trek. We really appreciate all of our Patreon supporters. Thank you so very much. And once again, thank you for listening. Until next time, stay positive.